Hello, listeners. This is, as always, the Inciting Moment Podcast. My name is Howard Hughes. Who else is with me today? I am Lamont Cranston. My name is Kit Walker, and I am the Phantom. Well, dang, I don't know who I am, then. <laughs> you're the Rocketeer. That's, you're the Rocketeer. That's the last one left. Yeah, we picked three movies. We have four characters, so... What's his name, Scott? What's the Rocketeer's real name? He's only dropped like a hundred times. God, I wish I could remember. It's Cliff. Oh, come on! It's Cliff. It's... <laughs> Cliff Secord! How can you forget a name like Cliff Secord? I actually, in all my notes, wrote down what all the main characters' names were because I kept forgetting. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I think Cliff is an easy name to remember. Mostly because he's got yeah. jetpack, yeah, so part. if he fell off himself, he'd be fine. Yeah. God, that was a lame joke even for me. <laughs> and yet it was a joke nonetheless. Well, just as a quick heads up before we get into our feature presentation, or rather presentations, uh, we figured we would just mention ahead of time that E3 was a thing, and we Fair. figured at some point uh, in the next episode we would go into our full thoughts on the overall event but also what was uh announced because i'm not gonna lie for what they were able to do given you know global pandemic i actually thought e3 turned out pretty all right you know it didn't mm -hmm. have too much of the things that people uh dread seeing oftentimes at e3 there was actually quite a bit of promise with some of the games uh that didn't have too many of the uh, Todd Howard red flags. Uh, also, because Todd Howard was rarely there. When it comes to stuff I'm excited for, uh, right now it's mainly just Riders Republic and uh, Halo Infinite, because Halo Infinite lo no longer looks like a 2006 launch title for the 360. Now it looks like a 2007. <laughs> yeah! It looks like Halo 3, which you would think it would be a bit more of a jump than hey, that. upgrades people that. upgrades yeah that's very true uh what about you fellas anything that you just generally thought hey that looks cool hmm. i have two off the top of my head and that would be elden ring from okay. from software and starfield from bethesda because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. we finally have a release date after two years <laughs> Um, I would have probably have to go with Scott on this one with Elden Ring. You know, Elden Ring. You know, like you said, from software featuring the gut of George R. R. Martin. Oh yeah. Uh, so that I mean that could be really good, honestly. But it's kind of hard to tell from this stage. We've been hearing about Elden Ring for so long, wow. and I feel that's you know the same with a lot of E3 products. It, things I've you know we've waited for so long for, but I don't know if we're still excited for anymore. You know, but well. Mm -hmm. From software usually delivers, Sam. True. Usually, for now. really their their, their worst misstep was just like uh, I don't even know if I call it a misstep. I, I guess to me it was a little underwhelming. Uh, Bloodborne kind of was like eh, a little bit. Yeah, you take that just back. a little bit. I will never. Uh, James, anything <laughs> I, on your end in terms uh, of stuff? Yeah, you were? I I didn't quite catch all of them yet. I, a lot happened while I was at work, so I, I'm just doing, like, the post-sweep. But from what I did see, mm -hmm. uh, the the new Mario Party looks really cool. It's a collection of, like, all of the, the most popular boards and games. Uh, Mario as Party well as Ultimate. Yeah. 
as well as uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five, because I am a giant RPG nerd. We'll uh, get more into the deets on our thoughts of uh, what was uh, announced to be coming out uh, within the coming episode. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get straight into our uh, trilogy of content right here. Absolutely. Uh, which, as a reminder, this is the unofficial Pulp Trilogy, or the Pulp Superhero Trilogy, if you want to get a little more specific. Which consists of three different 90s action films, superhero films, if you will. The best era for superhero films, if you ask me. Oh, that's a dangerous opinion. Quite. Based on old, uh, I want to say Golden Age superhero comic book characters uh from the 30s and 40s uh that being the shadow the rocketeer and the phantom uh the rocketeer special case because he actually didn't come around until the 80s but it's still set in that era yeah you know, of that time so it's kind of factored into that so ian i i have to ask what exactly is a pulp what is it why is it called the pulp trilogy because it's pulpy as fuck! It's so old-timey and I love it! <laughs> oh, there's some good chunky cheese in all of these films. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I really, really like how this trilogy very much uh, captures the era. And in, in certain cases of the films, even feel like they were films that could have been made uh, in that era as well. Um, mm -hmm. which one is more like that we'll obviously get into. Um, but yeah, I figured we would cover this because it's a set of films that not many people know about, and uh, I'm always one for putting the spotlight on uh, underrated gems. And whether they're gems or not, we're going to decide that. Um, real quick before we begin, just just for those who don't know what a pulp, what, what it means for a thing to be pulp, Mm -hmm. you know, besides an orange juice. Um, a quick definition is pulp magazines were inexpensive fiction magazines that were published from 1896 to late 1950s. The term pulp derives from the cheap wood pulp paper on which the magazines were printed. So basically they were, they were cheap stories from the, the 30s and 40s that people, you know, that anyone could really buy. And it would be these just crazy, crazy things like... How do so I they're describe? like superhero newspaper comics, kind of. Mm -hmm. stuff like that okay so that, 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 that when people say this is the pulp trilogy it, it, it's it's because all these films derive from these these comics that were made during this era mm -hmm. which is very ironic because uh, if you were to find original prints of these they're probably some of the most expensive pieces of paper you'll ever find <laughs> yeah oh probably. Yeah. i mean shit the very first appearance of superman is like millions of dollars and they have it in a fucking museum yeah which is pretty cool once you think about it how history can mm -hmm. change that oh yeah um and it's just interesting also because um as far as i'm aware of these characters haven't I haven't seen the light of day in terms of like more modern stuff. I could be wrong and there might be some modern interpretation of these characters, but uh, I know for a fact the, the Rocketeer especially uh, has not, which is a shame. I wonder uh, if they're close to or even are in uh, public domain because they should be getting around there, right? Oh, yeah. 
You gotta wonder, though, if they, they pulled a Disney where they found some loopholes to actually get them uh, copywritten, and therefore uh, they aren't in the public I mean, domain. Sans Mickey Mouse Claws, like, Superman and Batman should pe technically be public domain at this point, so I don't even know. Yeah, but I guess they're just too big for their own good. But yeah, the Pulp Trilogy. Uh, so we are going to cover the films in um, their chronological order in terms of actual historical period, which means uh, the earliest in terms of its place in history is the Alec Baldwin starring epic known as The Shadow. Uh, and The Shadow is a interesting film. Uh, this one, I believe, if I had to put a word to it, is the most supernatural of the three. Oh, yeah. Um, With the it Phantom follows being a close the second. main... Uh, yes, very close second. Um, the Shadow follows the story of this uh, mad lad named Lamont Cranston, who, after yeah, the First World War, uh, hid over in Tibet and was committing... All crimes known to man. Uh, from the sound of things, uh, trafficking, um, taking land that, you know, he was just like, uh, yeah, it's 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 got my name now. It's mine. You know, late uh, move to Tibet. Sorry, not Become sorry. a warlord. You know, just girly things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just girly things. Uh, and he came into contact with another mad lad known as the Toku. And the Toku essentially opened up his mind to the evils that he was doing. Admittedly off-screen, which we'll kind of get into why that is a little bit of a, you know, odd choice, gives him all kinds of uh, tutelage to master these special uh, spiritual ways and stuff like that, and developing powers. Powers that include becoming invisible. Uh, except for when his shadow is in direct uh, light, which, mm -hmm. uh, you know, neat little, I guess, kryptonite effect with that. And for the rest of his days, uh, with where the film takes place, he is a crime fighter in New York City, uh, going as the shadow. The rest of the film is him trying to fight off Another mad lad, a literal barbarian that is the descendant of Genghis Khan, known as Shiwan Khan, who has similar powers to him. However, it becomes very evident that they are more uh, evolved in comparison to the Shadow. And uh, he has to stop him before he causes a uh, the equivalent of an atomic explosion in New York City. <laughs> Stakes pretty damn high. So, fellas, why don't we start off with general thoughts? What did we think of the shadow? This, uh, this is a way to start this off with a bang. I, I was like almost immediately into this, just from the general atmosphere, the, the tone, the the way everything's going about. It's interesting too. This is the only main character in this superhero trilogy we have that actually has superpowers. Yeah, that's the funny part. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll disagree with that, and I'll, I'll tell what uh, as we get into the Phantom, I'll explain why. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to agree with Sam. 
Because um, there's there was something <laughs> mystical about that actor, but <laughs> true. <laughs> that, that's a later topic. If I can give my thoughts real quick, you may. Um, we allow you. That laugh. <laughs> oh god! That's oh, so yes. That's what really hooked me. It's just him laughing like a madman in the shadows is apparently iconic to the character, and it's beautifully done. It's like a practically yeah. opening scene. It didn't even sound like Alec Baldwin. It might not have been. I don't know. But yeah, there was... were actually uh, a, a lot of uh, debated rumors that um, one of his brothers actually stood in as the shadow to help with kind of uh, having Keeping it his... similar to him. Yeah, yeah, similar enough to how Alec Baldwin looks, but uh, at the same time still having like a shift facially, which uh, if that is the case pretty interesting and a neat little choice uh but again uh at the moment it can't quite be confirmed uh, no one has uh indeed confirmed that detail i guess what i found to be the most interesting is that the shadow even though he is kind of a reformed uh evil bad guy after uh, his years of being a warlord He's still pretty, like, morally ambiguous and stuff like that. He's still kind of jaded, and uh, I think that that really helps with the fact that uh, it, it sets him apart from the other two protagonists. And I think that's really great, because uh, this film uh, taps into that classic uh, noir kind of atmosphere, and uh, it really brings forward, like, an interesting and uh, unique sort of aesthetic, both uh, story-wise, but also world-building-wise. Oh, I wanted to say that out of all three films, uh, The Shadow had the best costume design. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Have you seen The Phantoms Get Up? Are you? Really I mean, aside that? from, because yeah. that's a well, whole other ballpark, Sam. <laughs> the Phantom's the only one dressing classily in that of film. Course. Everyone <laughs> looks good in The Shadow. Everyone but looks good in The Shadow. Really bouncing yeah. off what Ian said, because Ian brought up a good point about him being a reformed uh, villain, and he's still being ambiguous during his heroics. I think The Shadow is a really good example of an anti-hero done basically just perfect. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is mm -hmm. also really cool because he is technically the first anti-hero in fiction, uh, at least in the world of comic books. Um, and, you know, usually you have those cases where the first attempt at it isn't the best in hindsight. But, I mean, it's still pretty solid in terms of, like, uh, being amongst the pool of other anti-heroes out there. Even, like, ones that are coming out today, honestly. I mean, I just... just the. The general way he works is he will save someone, and you know, general hero stuff. So they they would save they, they would save someone out of you know the goodness of their heart. But what the shadow does, he saves someone and enlists them in his little army. You know, like hey, you owe me your life now. Now you will work as one of my not minions, but workers, my 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 anti crime fighters, but in different ways. So oh, throughout yeah. the film, you see what he does is he gives people this ring, and this ring basically connects them to him via magic shite. You know. Mm -hmm. And so you will see all these different people, couriers, doctors, uh, cabby drivers, the policemen, the works, and they're all under his sway. And in itself, that's kind of a despicable thing to do because you save their lives. They now, and now you want them to owe you for the rest of their life. They want, you want them to serve you. 
you know, but he does it in the purpose of crime fighting. So it creates this cool little gray area that makes it a lot more yeah. interesting than merely, oh, hey, I saved your life. Cool. You know, so that's why that's just one thing I loved about him. Yeah, he's, he's, like a, he's not a rat bastard. Uh, he, he's actually pretty fair with uh, still <laughs> having them, you know, uh, have a sense of free will. It's just that when he needs their help, he's like, hey, you need to help me. Ironic, mm -hmm. since he can basically Jedi mind trick people as well. Oh, yeah, yeah that's another one of his powers. He can uh, cloud the minds of people and uh, sort of color their judgment in a but, way. Uh, going back to that, I love the ring specifically as a visual indicator. Because mm -hmm. all you really need to do is have a single character, like, point. And if you see that ring on their finger, you, they don't have to say a word. They don't even have to be doing anything. It's just like, you'll just randomly look in crowds like, oh, wait, wait, is that one of the signets? Is that his ring? Yeah, that's something oh, I've yeah. been, I did the entire time. I was looking to see who was part of his web of people and who wasn't. And that, like, mm -hmm. mass network of, like, the tubes that that dude just, like, comes into in the underground, it's so cool. Just mm -hmm. this civilian sleeper agent, or sleeper cell. It's run like a by a superhero. Network. It's it's such an interesting concept. I really want to see like more stories set in this world with these characters. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm sure if this movie did better at the box office, it could have had maybe one or two other films. And I would have watched it. I'm not gonna lie. All three of these films, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing more of. Oh, definitely. Um, especially my my later pick, which I'll go over. But um, kind of talking about how, uh, depending on the execution of it, the moral implications of enlisting these people into your web of vigilantism, um, that is directly contrasted with the antagonist, Shiwan Khan. And that's another thing I absolutely loved about this movie, is they gave the, the main enemy, Shiwan Khan, and the Shadow, basically the same power of controlling, they, you know, controlling, uh, clouding other people's mind, controlling other people, but they, they made them a, a dichotomy in how they do it. Yeah. Which is, mm -hmm. like, the perfect way to set up a villain and hero relationship is giving them a similar power but different ways to use it. Like, the shadow makes you think he's forcing you into enlisting, but all he's really doing is giving you a ring. You still can choose how you help him. Shiwan Khan will just be like, no, you work for me now? Shiwan Khan makes people kill themselves. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, a dude was annoying to him, and, like, the a tourist trap, so he made him jump off a building. The Empire State Building, too. A pretty big building. Yeah, because... Yes. One thing I, I, I noticed later on is, Shiwan Khan only controls the people with weak wills. Yeah. And thus he creates weak minions. But something I, I like, the like I said, the difference is, what the Shadow does is, yeah, he quote-unquote controls people but i feel like they're stronger willed in doing so because they're doing it kind of over their own free will oh yeah that's the thing um he has a uncle who's actually like a big figure in the police force of new york and uh he even has a scene where he's like saying hey forget about the shadow the shadow's not real the shadow's just a rumor and yeah his uncle just goes like oh yeah yeah shadow just a rumor he's still mentally aware of what's going on around him he's not necessarily being controlled like a puppet whereas shiwan khan uh people are doing things completely unaware that it's even happening you know mm -hmm. 
I do love, too, whenever the shadow's, like, clouding someone's mind, he just kind of leans back, and the, the natural shadows, like, you know, kind yeah. of form a mask around his eyes. That's very... Like, if a TV show was made around that time, that's exactly how they would do that effect. Yeah, the visual effects are just... They're, they're simple, but they're also just so well executed. Oh, yeah. Honestly, like... Just about everything on a visual level is just beautiful in this movie. The mm -hmm. cinematography, the production design, the practical effects, because there are actually quite a few times where for, like, sweeping city shots, there, there's even a sequence where, like, um, this police officer is sending this uh, letter through this, like, uh, mailing tube system. And it's, like, yeah. sweeping all around the city, and you're getting, like, the camera going over buildings, and obviously... Uh, back then, it was a little difficult to do stuff like that, but uh, they, they used miniature work, and I'm not going to lie, it looked pretty damn good, mm -hmm. uh, especially because there were even parts where it's like transitioning above rooftops, but then it swoops down and goes towards the, the ground level, and you got these like mini cars going around, and I'm not going to lie, they, they actually looked pretty convincing, I liked it. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about effects, we should probably bring up the knife. <laughs> the, 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 uh... <laughs> The the spooky knife that literally has a face and fangs. Okay, okay. And, look, it's, okay. and it most, screeches. Most visual, visual, yeah, visual effects are good. Most of them. <laughs> I yeah. just love, like, he grabs it, it shrieks at him and fucking bites him. <laughs> the screeching yeah! knife horrifies me. It's so good. Chills me to the core. Mm-hmm. See it in my nightmares. I mean, the, the, the knife itself seems to have decent detail on it. It's just... I, it's it's not the most seamless implementation into the actual physical like footage. Probably the most blatant, like, CG, because everything else is almost very well Im implemented. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, honestly. I mean, I don't know. When the man got pushed off the Empire State Building and he bounced off it, it was kind of jarring to <laughs> that see. That was pretty... That's right. That's just like a background gig, too. Yeah, I was watching, and he bounces off the building. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, most effects are good. And then immediately after that, doesn't Lamont go, like, something's dropping in? Yeah, yeah. he makes, like, like, some, some kind of pun unaware that somebody just jumped off the Empire State building. Yeah, yeah that's actually a weird thing between all three of these movies. Are, it's kind of, like, almost like a dark humor, almost. And just, like, a very silly humor to them at, at weird times yeah sometimes it works sometimes it just kind of makes it a little awkward i think they're trying to emulate dialogue of the time though fair I, that's the vibe i got is like most it with this film especially most the dialogue in this film could have just been lifted from a, a panel like this is comic book writing mm -hmm. to a t fair which goes back to those pulp roots. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I do have one question for you, fellas. Uh, how did you feel about uh, one of the other supporting characters, who I thought, in comparison to some of the other characters, uh, not only in The Shadow, but also to the other films, uh, what were your thoughts on uh, Margot and her dynamic with uh, Lamont? Because I actually thought, in the scenes that they were both in, they easily had the best chemistry and... Uh, dynamic most of the time. I would have to agree with you. I think their chemistry was very good. The whole her having telepathy thing is 
bit weird. How it just like, comes out of nowhere, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, not really explained. From the research I've done, she didn't have that in the comics. Really? And the the, the yeah. only reason they really brought her into the, sh- the, the radio show is because... And I think she's a character that originally came from the radio show is because they wanted a female voice to contrast with the Shadow's voice. Mm, okay. So that's cool, a little bit of trivia. But yeah, I, I honestly think they had really good chemistry. If if a bit awkward at times again. There was a nice yeah, playful sometimes. like back and forth. She's always like ju- trying to get involved or something. and Especially with him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like how they change I... each other a little bit. I liked the fact that, like, there are other people with um, powers in this universe. And how point. the Shadow wouldn't be able to control every single person. Mm-hmm. Same with uh, mm-hmm. Shang-Wi Khan. I, I forget his name. Shi-Wan Khan. Shi-Wan Khan, thank you. Um, and the fact that, like, not they can't really cloud everyone's mind is, like, you're probably imagining that, oh... Since some people have powers like the Shadow, are there more powerful people in this world? Then we don't know. Like, it gives a bit of mystery. Like, if there wasn't a second or third film, they could have showed someone with even greater powers. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I, I really liked how in the film, there almost felt like a progression of the Shadow himself, you know? enhancing his own powers and stuff like that and i thought that the first indication was how he was able to sense uh that shiwan khan was uh masking that building yeah he what was he said he hypnotized the entire town to think a building wasn't actually there Mm-hmm. granted that was also a nice little callback to the beginning where the tibetan uh, monk temple yeah didn't show oh yeah, first. and how that was hidden. Oh, I forgot about that's that. True. Actually, I didn't think about yeah. that. No, that's a neat little thing you picked up there. Oh, Sam. nice. Yeah, I was clouded. My mind, mind was clouded at first, but then I saw it. You know, actually, <laughs> flashing back to when uh, we were in Tibet, um, what I found funny is that uh, Lamont, he's like gorging himself on this plate of like stripped meat. And stuff like that. He's got like these gross fingernails and stuff like that, kind of eaten like a pig. Yeah. And what is it that Shiwan Khan is doing during one of their meetups? Gorging himself on some stripped meat and eating like a pig. And it goes into why I also think Shiwan Khan was actually a decent antagonist. It is the fact that he is a reflection of what Lamont could have been if he didn't change his way. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Again, a nice little reflection from antagonist to protagonist. It, it goes a little further than the the very annoying trope of you and I aren't so different. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, that, but does it right. Yeah, they did pull that, because the first thing he did is like, yo, you're a super evil warlord. I'm a super evil warlord. Let's team up and just take over. Mm-hmm. But the way he, he says I, I I really like is like, instead of just being like buds and I was like your your forces will fight my forces and it'll be like this endless duel between equals. Yeah, they oh, yeah. use Super armies badass. fighting as a game. So in general, my overall thoughts in terms of things I like I liked the acting, the acting mm-hmm. and the characters mm-hmm. I think worked very well, 
and really helps set the scene. The setting, awesome. Can't go wrong with 1920s newer stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Perfecto. Um, and just action was good, too. I, I like the way he used his powers. You know, I liked how I liked how he got his ass kicked for a good chunk of the movie. <laughs> now, see, that's, that's the interesting part. I didn't quite like that. I, I thought there were a couple parts where his powers were actually uniquely used but there were often times where i'm like i i feel like he could be doing better and because he's not he's getting his ass kicked quite a bit but at the same time i i feel like that makes me root for him more you think so and i think kind of goes but also back to the the pulp idea like i can imagine like how will the shadow get out of this confrontation he's stuck in a water tower left to drown how will you escape oh okay no i yeah. see where you're coming from with that i guess when it's put like that maybe but the other thing with that water tower scene i i thought how he handled like trying to control the situation he was so sloppy with it if i'm being honest really i think he held his yeah. cool pretty well for almost drowning to death it's, I, I, he seemed pretty confident that she was going to save him, and he was just ready to go for it anyway. I mean, the the, the problem I have is that um, in a lot of scenes where the Shadow has not yet revealed himself to his enemies, I like the air of terror and mysticism he has, where he's speaking from the Shadows, and his voice is, like, coming from all different directions. Well, I those like are easily that. the best the scenes is, in the film. Oh, hell yeah. And one of my favorite sequences is actually where he uh, invades um, Shi Wong Khan's building, and it's just his shadow sneaking along the walls, and I wish there was more of that. The problem is, is that with all these different cases of where he's trying to play up how terrifying he is, I never felt like he fully capitalized on it and fully, like, hit them with a bang, you know what I mean? Because, again, I actually kind of thought... He got his ass kicked a lot. And I I think there's another reason for that. And I think it's because throughout the film, he's fighting with his, his inner evil because mm-hmm. his power comes from his inner evil. And they mention, like, whenever he, uh, his, uh, his loyal cab driver, Mo, mentions, like, hey, man, every time you transform, I, I notice you getting a little bit darker. And so I think it's him fighting his dark side, trying to make sure it doesn't take over Otherwise, he's just going to be the shadow, and he's just going to be that warlord. Oh. And it's a constant oh, yeah. fight against that. And because he's fighting himself, he can't really use the shadow to the full potential unless he might lose himself. Okay. Well, you know what? When you put it like that, I guess I can understand. Maybe not fully agree, but I understand. I definitely get that. Okay. I think when the climax came around, though, I feel like he should have been more capable. You know what I mean? I feel like he should have been dishing out stuff way more competently. I, I would agree. The whole thing with the knife at the end, I wasn't a huge fan of. I mean, that's a more literal, like, fight with his darkness, isn't it? It's, just, like, him literally mm-hmm. fighting with something he couldn't control before. So it's just, it, it's a little on the nose. Yeah. It's okay. Speaking of other things that I wasn't a big fan of, I wasn't a fan of Ian McKellen's American accent. I wasn't a big fan of his character at all. <laughs> which is funny, which is very funny because on record, this is the first on-screen role that he has ever taken in cinema. Oh, really? Yeah. I just feel like they, I just feel like they didn't give him enough to do. No, and I feel like his accent, I, I'm sorry, it got in the way of his performance. It really agree. did. 
uh, before we continue, I, I I do want to list off that this movie's not perfect, so I will explain one thing I didn't like about it. Yes. Okay. Um, I didn't like the exposition. It went from him no. being a crime. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because it went from no. him being a crime lord no. to him finding this temple, or being more like taken to the temple, and it's like, okay, you have a shadow in you. It's evil. We will use it, and you will become a good guy. And then all of a sudden, he's the shadow. Yeah, yeah, it feels like they were trying to adapt, like, what probably was an entire arc in the comics into, like, just the backstory so we could get to the actual story. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think it would have been just better starting out with him being the Shadow in New York. And maybe but, doing, like, yeah. flashbacks of the Tibetan training or something. Just yeah. get, like, hints of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I feel like if you write those flashbacks a certain way, you don't have to be so explicit, and you can imply what was going on back then. Yeah, the Phantom kind of did something similar, but we'll we'll discuss that later. Speaking yeah, we do have a couple other yeah. movies, so we should wrap up thoughts here. <laughs> I already wrapped up my thoughts, so gentlemen, please go ahead. Uh, I would definitely recommend it. Um, I would recommend it going in knowing that it is going to be a little exposition heavy. And uh, if you're a fan of Alec Baldwin, I think overall you'll have a fun time. But compared to some of his other stuff, he might be cheesing it up a little bit. But I liked it because I feel it's part of the time. This movie made me love Alec Baldwin. So I kept forgetting he was in it. (laughs) Like I just I didn't see him. I saw the shadow. You know. If you're a fan of Tim Curry, don't watch this movie. (laughs) Oh yeah, Tim Curry can't do any wrong. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i i wasn't mad at tim curry in this because uh he, he was just so delightfully bonkers like you, you know but what you're not the best role he's with done. curry but no, yeah i i would also recommend this i love the atmosphere i love the the visuals the just the setting and the world around it i really want to track <laughs> down some shadow comics and like read what more he'd been up to since mm-hmm. then yeah on a serious note from mine i would definitely recommend this movie a flying review, which will get us perfectly into the aeronautical expanse of this next film. Oh, but of course. Whether we'll be able to have full recommendations for the other two, we have to find out next time on the next episode of The Pulpies. Which is right now. Here we are. The Rocketeer. Uh, a, a wee little 1991 uh, Disney film, oddly enough. I... Wasn't expecting Disney of all people to pick up something as obscure as the Rocketeer, it certainly uh, felt which like a little a bit Disney of context. Film. Yeah, yeah, it felt like a kind of toned down uh, Indiana Jones, but the globe trotting sort of aspect of it isn't quite there. Mm-hmm. The adventure is, I think, but you know, uh, a little bit of context. Rocketeer actually wasn't a thing until the. 80s he was done as like a throwback mini comic series uh but because it actually got decent traction he got like a full um run and uh there's been a lot of reprints thankfully uh which you can get nowadays and uh it's preserved in wonderful quality um but the rocketeer film this is a wee little story about a uh, pilot wanting to partake in uh, racing nationals in a racing plane and is constantly down on his luck because um, he's a bit of a boob sometimes. And while most cases uh, his 
shortcomings come from his poor decision making. This time around, it's because uh, he got in the middle of the crossfire of some mobsters uh, oh who were chasing uh, a prototype jetpack of all things, a rocket, as they call it. He, of course, stumbles on it because it gets uh, swapped with a, a little switcheroo at his uh, plane hangar. And uh, he starts testing it out. He starts uh, using it. And he's like, hey, this is actually pretty cool. But uh, he's not the only one that uh, likes the rocket. Quite a few other people want it, including its creator, Howard Hughes himself, mm-hmm. who uh, regrets dreaming up the damn thing because now everyone is on his ass about getting it, including the government and a couple other parties as well. The get Alphabet into Boys. Oh, but of course. Um, there is, of course, another party that's after it, but we'll get into that once we cover spoilers. Because I think this is the most spoilery of uh, of the three, frankly. But one of the main proponents is a phony actor. Well, big-name actor, but he's a phony in that he's very, very fake and two-faced. Neville Sinclair, who is also enlisting the help of the Alphabet Boys in order to uh, go after the rocket. Led mm. by the big man himself, Eddie Valentine. Um, mm. All the way, uh, Cliff also still uh, uses the jetpack to help out in whatever way he can as a local superhero uh, and sort of weave his way out of the mess that is the race for the jetpack. Uh, starting with general thoughts, uh, gentlemen, what did we think of the Rocketeer? This one's going to be the most difficult one to explain my feelings on, I think. Yeah. Mm. I, I might have a similar idea with Sam, but I'll let you state your piece first. Oh, no. Give me a moment to think, please, because I don't know how I'm going to word it. Okay. Um. So the Rocketeer, and this might be... Uh, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier, this is very much a Disney film. Not in a bad way. Uh-huh. But um, th- this has a much different vibe, I feel, than the other ones. And that might yes. be partially due to the fact that uh, it's based on a property that is purposefully retro. So, in a sense, this feels like a movie that is more modern than the other two, even if it really isn't. Uh, potentially. And I don't uh, know. I'll explain why I don't think that's quite the case, but... But it, overall, it, it's a fun ride. It's just a little uh, different. The yeah. uh, the main like shtick of him being the Rocketeer, having this jetpack, is cool. Like uh, there's a scene where he's like falling off of somewhere and he falls through a cloud, and then when he comes back out the other side, he's like zooming off. That's really cool. Yeah. There's a lot of really good high flying visuals in this. Yeah, there's um, good applications for the rocket. Oh, yeah. Uh, the one thing I found interesting is it, it's not really his jetpack. Like, he oh, no. kind of just stole it. And <laughs> he it found it. Yeah. Never really feels like it's his own thing. Because everyone else is always I mean, is it really stealing it. if it just happens to be plopped into his own plane? It is Someone when the else. person maintaining it keeps telling you, we have to return this. We have to return this. Yeah, but just one more. Yeah, well, here yeah, we go. Yeah, just, 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 just come on. One more. One more. Come on. Come on, PV. 
Uh, I don't mean to sound like this is bad, though. This There's a lot of good characters in this one. Uh, it still has a fun vibe. It definitely feels like it was... Like, the, the setting and the time period is spot on. And I love the costume mm-hmm. design of especially how the Rocketeer I, looks. I love how the Rocketeer looks. Like, the helmet is yeah. so goofy, but it is so fun. It's... I, I don't even it's, think it's art kind of deco cool. as fuck. I love it. Oh yeah, it it is a hood or hood ornament, as PB said. But mm-hmm. I, I there's something so cool about it. I can't describe it. There's something so fifties retro sci fi about it that I just love. Yeah, it's the coolest thing that oh, era yeah. could have, if that makes sense, without it being, you know. Yeah, honestly, uh, the Rocketeer in particular, and I guess also the Shadow, uh, all three of these films. Uh, have the interesting distinction of the main superhero's costumes literally being lifted from the page with only the most minute of alterations. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that should uh, be credited, honestly. Oh, yeah, because so many times, like, you know, whether it be Batman, Superman, there's always some kind of alteration made where it's like, oh, that's that movie's Superman mm-hmm. costume. Oh, that's Sam Raimi's Spider-Man costume. That's um mark webb's amazing spider-man costume but we don't talk about those ones no we don't that um, doesn't exist. <laughs> um so yeah it, it is very interesting that literally uh, the, the rocketeer pops off the page in terms of his costume and honestly the flight like uh i don't know about you guys but um i thought for the most part the flying sequences were handled pretty damn well with the exception of a handful of um, green screen shots. I'm not gonna lie; yeah. some of them have not aged well. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Like um, one of my favorite sequences in the entire film because it just gives me all kind of superhero goosebumps. Uh, is the airfield scene when um, one of uh, Cliff's buddies, who was actually Malcolm. a former World War One pilot, yeah, Malcolm. Uh, and actually, this kind of goes into one of my favorite parts of the script of this film, which, by the way, just saying, this has the best script. It set up earlier that Malcolm was a former World War One pilot that uh, hasn't been behind the stick of a plane because he has the uh, the jitters. His hands are just way too unstable. Yeah. Later on, Cliff is late to the airfield to launch in a plane and be part of a uh, air show. And so Malcolm, as a means of, uh, you know, maintaining uh, Cliff's, you know, job, essentially, uh, he goes up in the plane and the plane has mechanical failures and Cliff has to go up and save him before not only Malcolm dies, but he kills other people because of how uncontrollable the plane is. And Don't worry, is folks. This is all part of the show. This is all part it's of the all show. It's all part of the show. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of death in this movie, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is hardcore <laughs> Disney. Uh, there, there, there is one particular sequence I'll get into uh, <laughs> where it's, uh, it's, it's actually surprisingly graphic for a Disney film, but I guess that was when Disney was, I guess, a little more lenient on uh, visual violence, or at least implied. Because, I mean, yeah. hey, there were a lot of Disney villain deaths that you're like, oh, shit, okay. Oh, no. Uh, this, this, this Disney villain death is not implied. Oh, no. No, 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 no. But... Uh, the airfield sequence, I I love because uh, a lot of the distant shots where it's like uh, Cliff 
uh, in the foreground. As you were mentioning before, uh, James, flying through the clouds and then zipping past the camera. Yeah. Those effects were actually handled by uh, Industrial Light and Magic, the same mad lads responsible for Star Wars, and Cliff was actually stop motion for those shots. Yeah. Stop motion? He was stop motion. Yeah, no CG uh, in terms of, like, 3D models. No, that was stop motion, and I was actually surprised because, you know, you see stop motion oftentimes. It looks very jittery. And you can easily tell, oh, yeah, that's stop motion. But it was smooth. Oh, that was very fluid. You know? Yeah. Uh, what wasn't so fluid was the shot that immediately followed one of uh, the, the better shots, where it's uh, a rear shot of a cliff flying over the uh, grandstands. Immediately after that, you get this shot of a plane going across the airfield, and then you just see... <laughs> Cliff with his legs dangling behind him, flying past it. it uh, ooh. <laughs> I I don't think that was great. There's quite a few times where you see shots like that, and it's just, ooh. Oh, I get you. But I am curious. Scott, what did you think? Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Although we had the, uh, the positive, <clears throat> the, 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 the obviously pro-Rocketeer man go. What do I'm you think, gonna... Scott? I'm gonna probably get crucified, but I was not—I did not like this movie as much as others. No, Do this was my least case. favorite of the three. Do you why, state your why, case. Why is that, buddy? Why? Why are you wrong? Continue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm please, please continue. I'm, I'm curious. Um, I just—I didn't think because I—I'm not good at like being critical of things. Um, mm-hmm. I. I just think that not a lot of the characters meshed well, in my opinion. Okay. Um, Hmm. I wasn't a big fan of the main character. (laughs) Oh, Cliff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I I loved uh, Neville Sinclair. He was my favorite part of the movie. He's he's great. I actually think he's my favorite antagonist of. I would disagree, but we'll we'll get there. We'll we'll discuss that later. He's great, though. Yeah, I I just heavily debated topic. Oh, (laughs) but Scott, please continue. And a lot of the effects were very off-putting for me to watch. I mean, I don't know if that's just because I've never seen, I never saw, maybe it's because I've never seen this movie until now, but I just, it was hard for me to get through it. Really? Hard to get through? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, are we talking painful? Like, you were actually annoyed that you had to get through it, or? No, no, it was just, like, difficult to get through because a lot of stuff was really off-putting. Ah. Ah, I, I, I mean, this is, uh the kind of movie where because of how it's filmed uh i can understand that to take a bit of the fire away from scott i do have to take his side i think this was like all these films are great but this was probably my lowest rated one ah got you okay you know what i'm sorry to pile in a dog pile but I'm a little bit on their oh, side, no. but I will. I will <laughs> oh, no. But hear me out. Hear me out. Just because it's my least favorite, no. least three does not mean it's bad by any stretch oh, no. of the imagination. It's still the my least favorite amongst three pretty damn good movies, and I'll explain that briefly. It's I think the moments where he's the Rocketeer, mm-hmm. perfect. Love it. 
I will agree with Scott. I'm not a huge fan of the special effects when he's flying. It looks a little bit jank. In fact, sometimes it looks yeah. real jank. Some look better, but some uh, not very good. Yes. Um, in terms of another thing, I really, is when the height of this movie, when the, when it gets just the, the peaks, I should say, the peaks of this movie. Like I said, when he's the Rocketeer, it's the beginning part where he first learns to fly it, and the ending where it involves the this the, is okay if I spoil now. Yeah, let's go ahead and do spoilers. Yeah, when it involves the Nazis, those moments, yeah. those two highs in the movie are perfect. I love them. It captures the spirit of adventure and rocketeering. That's just mm, perfect. Oh yeah, love it's, it. It's it just piles on how just scummy Neville Sinclair is. Because if we can talk about him, similar to how we were talking about Shiwan Khan, um, not the most intimidating of antagonists, but dear God, he knows how to play the scene. Pun intended. My God, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's hilarious when the the reveal is that he is a Nazi, and it just goes full like circle, like yeah, he just goes, he just, oh, yeah. he just drops the mask entirely, and then he's yeah, just mask full off. Of evil. It's go time. <laughs> he's yelling at his soldiers, "I'm griefing, yeah." <laughs> when um, everyone finds out who he really is, and uh, Jenny in particular goes like, "You're nothing but a liar." And uh, he just responds with a fucking shit eating grin on his face. Oh, Jenny. It wasn't lying, it was acting. Mm-hmm. But I think where this movie fails, not necessarily fails, but the thing I didn't like about this movie is I, the main character was passable, but that's really all he was, unfortunately. He had his moments, especially later on when he realized just how serious the Nazis getting this rocket thing, rocket uh, jetpack was. Uh-huh. I think that was pretty good. He still he had some development with him and his girlfriend, but... Yeah, I don't know. There, there was something missing about him. I, c- I can't describe him, and I think it's because we don't see him as the Rocketeer enough. Yeah, I think to add on to that, out of all the protagonists, he's—I I know we went on a big tirade about like how the Shadow is an anti-hero. Cliff mm-hmm. isn't really a hero, even. He's like no, not really. He only he's, really he's... gets involved when like his girlfriend is upset and. The only time he's going for the rocket is to, like, compete in these air shows or do stuff that has personal fame to him. Except for the little end part. Well, just of course. He, he, like I said, just the, the moment the he realizes... The little end part, but also when he's trying to save Malcolm, because, I mean, if he doesn't save Malcolm, A, Malcolm dies, and B, whoever is caught in that explosion of when the plane eventually falls is also going to die. Yeah, but he never really goes out of his way to save people he doesn't already know and care about. No. To counteract that, though, I did like how he was clever. I did like that he was tough. He, he could he could throw a punch and take a punch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's not a like a, a fantastic fighter, but he's tough. You know what I mean? He can take a punch. He can keep getting back up, and I like that. The, because... the punch out in the Zeppelin was a was a fun scene. It really was. Oh yeah. So that, that is there's definitely positives about him. Like I said, he he's clever. He he, he can handle himself. Hmm. I just the, there was something that he lacked though in terms of him being the actual rocketeer. This you know, dynamic, fly a uh, high flying hero that I I felt they should have pushed a little bit more. To really push him up to that higher echelons of, oh, that's the motherfucking Rocketeer. 
Yeah, you know? they kind of do that with mm-hmm. like, oh, the the newspaper goes out, so all the crowds look at him and it's like, oh, that's the Rocketeer. But that's, mm-hmm. yeah, I see what you're going for. I will say, very similar to The Shadow, though, I feel like by the end, and when he's going on to the Zeppelin, uh, which, fantastic sequence, I like how it was Absolutely. all handled. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that by that point, he needed to be a little more heroic, kind of like what you were talking about, yeah. James. And one way I wish that they would have done that is uh, when he goes on to the Zeppelin, uh, he accidentally, and I, I do mean accidentally, flies into a wire that tears up the rudder of the Zeppelin. I think instead of him accidentally and in a very bumbling ma- way, uh, very clumsy, he should have landed on the Zeppelin, looked up at the rudder, and I think he should have teared it up on purpose because he's mm-hmm. into aviation. He knows that if you fuck with the rudder, that messes up with the whole trajectory of the Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and doing mm-hmm. stuff like that, I feel like, would have meant that he was taking more action and being more proactive, which I feel in most of these superhero films, the hero needs to be more of that because a lot of the movies that are great at that, if I may name a few Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, mm-hmm. that is what happens. They become way more proactive and way more capable by the end. And sure, not every movie has to be the same, but, I mean, it's just satisfying to see. It shows that they've uh, progressed, they've improved in, you know, the act of being a hero. Yeah. Simply put, there wasn't enough of the actual Rocketeer. Well, I think that's, because going off Ian's point, I think that's why I mentioned earlier, the the jetpack never really feels like his because it feels like he's just a guy that stumbled onto it and he didn't die when activating it. Granted, right. the rocket itself is fucking terrifying. Oh yeah, it is. Thank God he's wearing the. Thank God he was wearing that helmet because there's a lot of scenes where he just head butts through like walls and whatnot, yes. glass. Like that thing is held together with actual literal chewing gum. Mm-hmm. Which I will say, uh, he has a little bit of a cool moment where when he's forced to hand over the jetpack, he takes off the bit of a uh, chewing gum that PV put on a bullet hole. And uh, when Neville Sinclair tries flying off with it, um, things get a little heated, if you will. Yeah, this is the scene we were alluding to earlier. Holy shit. Yeah, he burns up. He doesn't burns alive. Just, yeah, he doesn't just burn alive, but plummets to his death. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and actually, we can't think of for one thing. He changed Hollywood land to Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know why they did that? Mm. Um, this is interesting. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people have talked about this, but what I assume the reason they did that is the Hollywood sign itself is copyrighted. Really? Yes. So in order to show it, you have to, I I don't know, pay like the city or something. So what a lot of shows and movies will do is they'll have the Hollywood sign, but then something will either destroy it or they'll have more to it. So it's, they can claim it's not technically the Hollywood sign. Oh, oh wow. that's why. And in, if uh, they say it was the Hollywood land side, yeah, I mean, a sign before it became Hollywood. Ah, I see Bada that. Bing. Okay. Bada boom. Um, and what I found just so fucking funny about that particular scene, uh, um, 
was afterwards uh cliff jenny and pv go back to the uh the the bulldog cafe i think is what it's called mm -hmm. uh, yeah. as they usually do um and uh you know pv's reading the newspaper about oh yeah neville sinclair killed in a fiery uh debris drop uh destroying uh so-and-so's Royals Royce or something like that, and PV goes, oh, no, what a shame. That was a good car. I think we've... Little shit like that. I, 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 it's just, mm, this is my favorite script. I like the script a lot, because if I can reference one of the things I was talking about earlier, this is a perfect example of a script that has clever little pieces of setup and payoff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the things when I was talking about the whole gum covering up the bullet hole, um, that's just not something that PV pulls out of his ass. He's actually been doing that constantly because Cliff started this little, uh, I don't know what you would call it. This, habit? this little, yeah, this habit of uh, taking even. a piece of gum or tradition. Yeah, he's chewing tradition, gum and he routine. puts it on his plane. For luck. It is his lucky piece of gum, which I guess, is deemed lucky whenever he eats it. <laughs> uh, and he places it on whatever he's flying with. And uh, Peavy does the same thing right before uh, Cliff goes and saves Malcolm at the airfield. And, you know, with that habit in mind, Peavy covers up the bullet hole uh, that was caused in a later scene so that, you know, Cliff doesn't go kablooey. Mm -hmm. Cliff, remembering said habit as well, removes the gum, thus killing Neville Sinclair. <laughs> Which yeah. then has further payoff at the very end when Howard Hughes basically gives him a plane and passes him a stick of gum. Indeed. Cool little trivia. Indeed. The specific brand of gum he gives him is called BG gum. And the BG gum was, in that time period of the 40s and 50s, a popular gum for pilots. Oh. Oh. Well, there you go. <laughs> very nice. Uh, another little thing of setup and payoff is uh jenny in the movie she is an actress and wants to make it big one day and she's working on a film with neville sinclair and uh though she felt she gave a good performance uh, for the audition uh she got shown up by the producer's niece because well it's the producer's niece and uh you know she wants to be able to do work with like big name actors like neville sinclair and uh neville is borderline obsessed with Jenny for the rest of the movie. And uh, there comes a point where, uh, you know, he's trying to seduce her. And in order to uh, do a little switcheroo on him and essentially play him, she acts. She tricks him and knocks him out later on. And she even says, wow, I did a scene with Neville Sinclair. I, I acted the part. I played him. Yeah. And tricked him convincingly. I I just love scripts that do that. And I mean, there's never really a bad example of it in um, this movie. I think the uh, what she said exactly was, I finally played a big scene with Neville Sinclair. And I will admit, I saw that. I'm like, I don't like. It. Yeah, you know what? I like how well written that was. That was that was a very good mm -hmm. moment. For me. I do agree. Yeah, there's a lot of setup and payoff. Ah. We completely forgot about the best character in the movie, uh, the, the, the the big man himself, Lothor, or as I like to call him, Manos, because dear God, he's got a fucking Thanos chin. <laughs> okay, I'll be honest, I felt like he was the most out-of-place thing in this whole freaking right? movie. 
Yeah. He's this big. Oh yeah. I I I legitimately laughed because I thought it was a joke when like this big hulking dude walks into the room and then pulls out a gun that's like it's half the size of his hand and shoots someone. <laughs> he was shooting the cops because they were outside, and I mean I don't think it's a bad idea for someone like him to use a gun in that situation because it's like seventeen different cops with like no, machine guns. I know, but like. The, the vibe that I was getting from him is he's, like, a total brute that would probably pick up, like, a table and throw it out the window at them or something. Not, mm-hmm. you know? I, I, I just felt like character design-wise, and maybe even character-wise in general, I felt like it was just a little bit out of place. I feel like it was something more that belonged in either the Shadow or the Phantom. Yeah, he feels more like a comic book villain, which is weird because this doesn't really feel like a comic book movie. Well, eh. as much. Because the rest of the plot is so grounded, and then he's just this massive dude. Ah, that's true. Well, if I had to uh, finalize uh, my last favorite thing about this movie, all three of these films obviously come from a bygone era, and because of how The Rocketeer was filmed, how it was written, and how it was acted, uh, of the three, I actually felt that this movie in particular not only captured the era and actually felt like it was set in it, it felt like a movie that, with the exception of some of the visual effects, could have potentially been made back in that time. And I find that to be pretty damn impressive, even though that it came out in 1991. Which, by the way, before we move on, in case you already thought that this movie didn't stand a chance in terms of having a following, um... This movie came out the same summer as a, uh, a, a another action adventure film called uh, Terminator Two Judgment Day. Yeah, yeah, no, you can't beat that. <laughs> that thing got slaughtered. No, no. Are you kidding me? No, that, that's and I fair. mean, it's not even just like the stuff that came out the summer, the same year. No, like some of the biggest movies oh. in cinema were also coming out. Like there was Silence of the Lambs, Point Break, if I'm not mistaken. God, I like... mean. That's like when uh, Star Wars Episode Seven was coming out, and they released like an Alvin and the Chipmunks movie the same day. <laughs> <laughs> Look, yeah. Yeah, sorry, but Star Wars got slaughtered. Of course, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's that's God setting you up for failure. Oh hell yeah! Well, why don't we wrap up the Rocketeer with some recommendations? Do you guys recommend it? You obviously know my answer, but I want to hear your guys' uh, final thoughts. I, I know we were pretty hard on it, but I, I still think this is a movie worth watching. Uh, it just, okay. it had a lot, like, like, viewing it in this marathon, I just think the other two are a bit better, but it is still a fun movie, and like you said, it, it's very much hitting the era it's supposed to. Okay. Scott? How about you, Scott? Uh, well, I would say it's recommended to see for Timothy Dalton Timothy Dalton performance but I would uh-huh. not watch it again if I'm being completely honest um as for me I think it's a I think it's a passable movie I think there's just a, when it gets when it really gets going and shows you the rocketeer it's really good and I think for those moments it is worth watching but I, I just I don't think it captures that pulp enough. 
if you're looking for a, like a, a pulp film, I think the other two that we watched do it do it more profoundly, do it yeah. more. In my opinion, I'm not saying it's a bad film. I think it's I still think it's a very good film. But there's mm. I just feel like there was some wasted potential in what they could have done with the actual Rocketeer. Okay. Otherwise, still, I mean, it's like I said, it's not bad. It's in fact rock solid. <laughs> Funny. But, yeah, it, it's interesting that uh, you guys brought up the whole thing of like, yeah, the, the the Rocketeer isn't in the movie all that much. The shadow disappears for like forty to forty five minutes. It has like the Ang Lee Hulk problem. I mean, I agree, but the difference is. Uh... Lamont Cranston is always working towards his goal as the shadow, whereas the Rocketeer ah, is only true. doing okay. his thing when he's in costume. Mm, okay. I could see that. Yeah. But anyway, we do have another film to discuss. And uh, thankfully, I think Scott will have much more fun with this one, because in a side <laughs> conversation, he did say that he liked this one. Oh, yeah. I uh, did. So... I liked this one a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, The Phantom uh, is the film that chronologically takes place the latest in uh, history. This one is about a dude named Kit, right? And uh, he is, I believe, the 26th or 27th man uh, He is man the 21st. The 21st. Okay, 21st. I was in the 20s in that ballpark. Mm -hmm. There we go. Uh, he is the 21st person to take the mantle of the Phantom. And the Phantom is essentially a guardian figure of uh, the Amazon. Uh, the, the animals, big besties with him. Uh, and he protects it from uh, grave robbers. Uh, overall just thieves trying to steal from the uh, treasury that is within the Amazon and uh, overall just keep the jungles a place uh, that is uh, safe for all life that lives in it um, and uh, he is called into action when he learns of these three magic skulls that when unified and brought together uh, can bring forth uh, I believe it's complete and utter control over the world. Unimaginable power. Indeed. Uh, and so he is trying to stop a uh, Mr. Drax, a crime lord who is trying to unify such a thing and be the big bad, if you will. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll, I'll definitely say right off the bat, this is the most adventurous and the most globe-trotting oh, of the three. Mm-hmm. I mean, it transitions from the Amazon to New York to the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> the Devil's Vortex. Indeed. But uh, you said Scott had a lot to say about this one, so why don't yeah. you start off the yeah, conversation? Scott, yeah, Scott, start please start, off. sir. This was my favorite of the three for many reasons. Yeah. One, that costume is great. I don't care what anyone <laughs> says. Let's I love start it. with that. It's I love unique. his costume. It is very unique. I love his costume. Uh, He's a it, fucking walking eggplant. <laughs> <laughs> he really and he is. pulls it off. It's a 
such masterful. <laughs> An eggplant dual-wielding pistols. <laughs> um, I just like I the whole concept of his character, too. How it passes from father to son. Um, yes. The, the mantle of the fa- phantom. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed a lot of the characters in this movie. I enjoyed... The fact that he, like, can talk to animals for some reason. Yeah, he his two best friends in the whole film are a horse and a wolf, and I love it. Oh, I have because a great... the two animals talk with each other. It's mm-hmm. awesome, and I love it. I want to go in depth with later, but let's let Scott finish his thoughts, because... But of course. I think most of the villains were done well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I know talking from from talking with Ian, Drax was not the greatest. He thought, "Yeah, I liked him." We'll, we'll have some I, words about that. I'll, I'll cover a little bit of that. Uh, he had continue. He, he chew up the scenery. I loved it. Oh, it literally just felt like an actual like just comic book movie, and I like that. It definitely has the best sense of adventure and action. I thought the action was probably the best mm-hmm. in this one. Um, and I... <laughs> I have to say, uh, I, I both hated his costume, but I also love it. Because here's the thing. I saw a couple of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and I even posted this on both the Reddit and Facebook page for the podcast. I do remember seeing that. Um, Billy Zane was visibly uh, uncomfortable in a lot of the stuff I found. And yet, when it came to him in character, he is fully aware of what he is wearing, what people probably think when they see him, and yet the fucking charisma... And just the charm in him, I actually find impressive. He just exudes this power while wearing that costume. And he's just like, yeah, I know what I am. What of it? I'm the fucking Phantom, baby. Yeah, honestly, I think that's one of the the biggest highlights of the movie is the main actor and how he just exudes this classic era of this hero who's got the charisma and he's just... He's he knows he's in the right, and it's just like for truth, justice, and uh, it's just. Oh, this is easily the a... most heroic protagonist of these three films. Like mm-hmm. pure truth and justice. There's no anti-hero. There's no like selfish means. It's just this is a hero. Mm-hmm. So black and white. It's just. Oh yeah, it's easy and, and let me brain. tell you, there were plenty of times where I was laughing, and I don't think I should have been. And I've described this before, but in one of the very first scenes of the film, you got those uh, those grave robbers trying to find the hidden treasure. And, uh, you know, suddenly something's happening. Mm-hmm. The air is shifting. The trees are swaying violently. The animals seem to be retreating into the treetops and whatever bushes they can find. Uh, clearly something is coming. There is a presence, and many films like Batman or The Hulk have kind of done this thing where they're, like, building up to the grand reveal of the superhero, the presence that is, you know, scaring the bad guys that are, like, anticipating it. And the big reveal... Really put this into perspective. The big reveal... Is this fucking 
eggplant of a human being riding on horseback, <laughs> charging at these guys. And the movie wants you to believe that they are scared of what they are seeing. Are you I talking- would be shitting my pants if I saw an eggplant <laughs> with 45s coming at me riding a horse. Oh, oh, come on! Talking shit, are you kidding? On the you ghost that are you- charge come the jungle? on! No! Yes! There's no! nothing scarier than a purple blur riding on horseback <laughs> who's strapped to the teeth. Yeah, to add a little more, like, legitimacy to He's this, this fucking man <laughs> leaps onto a moving truck, gets shot in the face, and then just crawls around to the other side and punches a dude out through the truck. Like, I'd be terrified! I'd be he more terrified seeing what he's wearing. Unstoppable force of nature, and you cannot <laughs> pe stop him. People believe he's immortal because yeah. apparently so many people have killed him. He's known as the ghost who walks, despite like, his purple thing. He calls an outfit. That outfit In lore, he's terrified. That outfit is a symbol. It even work like it works to his advantage that his predecessors have died. A guy on that heist had killed him previously. He is quote, a symbol. Quote. He is a symbol of your reckoning, and he is the harbinger. <laughs> the purple so harbinger. Good. The eggplant of annihilation. And again, like you said, he's just strapped. Let me tell you, Barney the dinosaur, he really bulked up for this role. Yeah. <laughs> I might be well, peeking. Uh, a little trivia is that Bill, uh, what's the name of the main actor? Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Hell uh, Billy Zane. Billy Zane bulked the hell up for this movie because he wanted oh, yeah. to fit in that. You could that, see it. That skin of an eggplant. See, here's the weird thing. When he was actually in the costume, he didn't look that bulky. When he was shirtless, yeah, but not so much in the costume. I guess it wasn't tight enough. Actually, another little trivia I learned is that he would often go to sushi during uh, production and just in the costume, he would go to get sushi. <laughs> Imagine the That's ghost great. who walks strolling up into your sushi place as you're eating, like, sashimi or something. <laughs> I would leave. <laughs> I would, I would stay. God I would want to know this man's story. I would fear for what would come. Please Do tell you me fear the ghost? he was in character the whole time. <laughs> we oh. talk about how these films are notable for having their characters uh, literally leap off the page because of how accurate their costumes are. Uh, we talked about adaptation and how sometimes maybe you shouldn't be so close to the source material. And this is absolutely. I feel like I'm the only not one of those only cases. one here. I feel like yeah, yeah. I am the only one here. I am the only <laughs> one here that says uh, maybe a different costume. Yes, you are. Look, it's okay to be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, that's a that's a thing. That, uh, I'm gonna give my my brief explanation of what I feel about this movie. I mean, I loved it. I loved how true to form it was. It knew what it was. All the actors knew what it was. And they played to that so hard. So hard. Oh, yeah, and it really shows, just, just in the villain, let alone everyone else, just the part where he's got the two skulls out of the three, and, it, you know, the special effects teams are trying their best to make it look cool. But you know he's just in a room going, Wow! Amazing! Incredible. I actually would like to uh, touch on that because Ian, it sounds like you're not a fan of Mr. Drex. No. Can, no. Care to share your thoughts? We're we're gonna be discussing which film had the best antagonist. Um. I I think he is easily the worst. 
he he is the worst antagonist in all three of these films. Okay, we'll discuss that during that section. Because and I feel, like I said, a lot I of it just comes down to uh, his performance just is not good. And yeah, you can say, oh, well, he's he's being hammy. I'm like, I I don't think the rest of the cast was being hammy though. He seems like the only one, and so it just felt jarring. Interesting. This this movie just checks it all off. Yeah. It really does. <laughs> it has it has globe trotting adventure. It's got a superhero in a foreign land. Well, you know, white superhero in a foreign land with the the uh-huh. the ethnic ethnic sidekick. Uh, I think his name was Gerard, I believe. His his little buddy. And going on crazy wacky adventures. And it's just, I don't know, it's just hidden off. I mean, they even go to a, a pirate island in the middle of something called the Devil's Vortex, led by a, a, a pirate king known as Sane, who yeah. lives the Sane yeah. Brotherhood. By the way, by the way, kind of moving on from Drax, um, I'm sorry, I really wish that pirate guy was earlier in the film, because yes, I agree. looking at him, he exuded so much villain energy, I wish that he was in the movie more, and Drax was more of his subordinate, because he seems so much more of a threat, and so much more of an antagonistic figure that, oh, I love it. And fucking, god, Kerry Hiroyuki, the, the guy who plays him, who was also notable for playing Shang Tsung, not only in the yeah, Mortal Kombat boy. film, oh, that's why I but in uh, the, the, the current interpretation of Shang Tsung. God, he was so good as that, too, and he was only in the movie for so long. He's, he's one of those cases where you see these films where it's like, God, I wish there was more of that. Mm-hmm. And it's him. I thought he was cool, and I wanted more. <laughs> Fair. But no, we got overacting Drax. That that, Drax (laughs) was like a few steps away from sounding like Mike Wazowski. I'm sorry. Dude, I thought he was Jim Carrey in some scenes, to be honest. (laughs) He he really, like, there's chewing the scenery and then there's having buffet with it. And he was gorging. Oh my god, dude. I actually had to look it up. I'm like, is this Jim fucking Carrey? Did I miss something? (laughs) I could see it. No, I mean, so overall, my, my thoughts are just positive, very positive. I can see why there, people like this movie. There's a there's a great scene I'd like to... We touched on it briefly, but I want to bring attention to it just because it's the most notable scene in the movie for me. Mm-hmm, there's a mm-hmm. point where he's rescuing... Uh, I, I forget the, the lead girl's name, who's kind of like this prissy, uh, like, spoiled rich kid being kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And she he's rescuing her from the boat. And Damn, there's like a... Yes. And there's a plane, like a water plane, just off to the side that he jumps in. But he mm. left his wolf sidekick behind. And the whole time I'm thinking, wait, why? What's going on? Is he coming back for the dog? Is he going to, like, whistle and the dog's going to jump in the plane? And then immediately after that thought leaves my mind, it cuts to the dog running away, going to the forest, finding the horse. <laughs> And saying, hey, we need to get our buddy. And they just gallop off into the sunset together. And that was amazing. Not actually saying that, but literally just like nodding to the horse. The horse nods back. And they're just like, they know, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I loved that. I I really do like his animal companions. Yeah, the Master of Animals thing is great. Like when he's hiding in the the zoo and the the freaking 
was it a lion or a jaguar or something? I think it was a jaguar, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the cops are looking for him, the jaguar is just... Oh, it's a tiger. Out. It was a tiger. Oh, it was a tiger? Oh, tiger, tiger, tiger. Tiger walks tiger. out, and, like, they're like, oh, well, he's clearly not in there. And he just comes around and, like, pets it on the head. Yeah. Never explained. <laughs> it's so good. All he needed was a gorilla and or monkey friend, and I would have been completely sold. Ooh. I don't, Best protagonist right there if he had that. I don't know if we can give him that much power, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's rivaling the shadow at that point. Oh, yeah. The shadow's got an oh, army shit. of uh, minions while he's got an army of animals. Now, actually, speaking of the shadow, uh, Sam, you said... I, I mentioned earlier that the shadow was the only one that had superpowers. Uh, yes, you disagreed with me. Yes, because... The Phantom kind of has superpowers, kind of. I mean, he could literally speak to his dead dad. Granted, that could just be psychosis, for all I know. Yeah, I assume but... that was <laughs> that was psychosis. I assume that was him. I mean, maybe there's a connection. But um, that's and more the dad I than I figured him. he was just a ghost. And spoiler alert for this, you know, Shakespeare-esque plot, it turns out that there's actually four skulls to the legendary skulls of Tukanda, and it's his ring. Yeah. And he has a DBZ, like, laser battle with the other skulls. Yeah, that... <laughs> Look, I'll be honest, I don't know what I was expecting when the three skulls were going to meet. I had no idea. But when they just did a, a laser, and the main, and Drax is like, yes, this is ultimate power. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, the way they were explaining it, I thought it was going to, like, make a giant nuke on command or something. But then it's just a thin laser beam. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like... I think, uh... I don't know. I think the true ultimate power is just uh, the Phantom's ability to make women swoon for him. I mean... I, I think that's just the actor, but... But he did seduce that one minion. Catherine Zeta-Jones, by the way, as a Sela or Sala, um, mm-hmm. major dominatrix vibes going on. Oh, dude. Definitely. Major. Definitely. Also, really, really <laughs> weird character turn at the end. Yeah. Because at first she seems yeah! like... Yeah! What the seems, fuck was up with that? She seems like, you know, pure evil, you know? She, like, literally, she's about to kill civilians one at a time at a certain point in the film, trying to get to uh, Diana Palmer. And uh-huh. all of a sudden, there's a scene uh, pretty getting pretty close to the end where she captures Palmer again. And Palmer's like, do you even know what you want? Huh? And she's like, she looks so contemplatively. She's just contemplative, I should say. She looks very contemplative about it. And then, like, two scenes after that, she's betraying the bad guys. I'm like, is that it? Is that really it? Is that all it took? Is someone just saying, hey, maybe you should think about this a little bit. I liked the personality she was giving to it, but she had, like, no loyalty. Yeah, she, she had... I mean, no. there was, like... There was no thought process. Although, like that we saw. Speaking of loyalty. Oh no, there was no shift. Uh, mm-hmm. This is one thing that I think the Rocketeer lacked is the one thing tying this whole trilogy together is a series of stupidly loyal cab drivers. Yes. Yes. That's... Yes. <laughs> what the hell is up with that? I will say I think it was a lot more natural in the shadow. Yeah. Because yeah, he was part of the army. In this one, it's just because he gave him a lot of jewels. You know that you know Kit gave him a bunch of a bunch of fancy jewels. Granted, you could just say, "Hey, he was hoping for more," but it's like after that moment, he's like, "I'm indebted to you for life." Wait, who was the cab driver in Rocketeer? 
No, I'm, I'm no, saying that's what was missing, and that's probably why we didn't like it as much. Oh, <laughs> oh, got you. Oh, okay. The cab right, driver right, pulls that, that, it all together. That's why you give it a 2 out of 10. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. <laughs> if it had a stupidly loyal cab driver, I could rate it higher. Yeah, put wings on this ah, cabbie, okay, and we, we're good to go. <laughs> but no. Well, wait, hang on. PV drove that car one time. Yeah, but... uh, you know, I was about to say PV kind of counts as that, and I'll get into that later because it's a very <laughs> important – it actually will be a very important factor in what we choose mm-hmm. in terms of favorite supporting cast. Um, I will say um, the sense of adventure and action I think only sometimes uh, cover this or compensate for the lack of it. Um I thought this was easily the worst script of all three. Like, I'm I'm not going to lie, especially when we were just talking about Catherine Zeta-Jones character just changing her mind with very little thought process or, like, visible shift. Uh, I, I thought it was, like, really bad in that department. In, in terms really of, did. like, pure writing, I guess I can see what you mean. But this is very clearly, like, a adventure serial. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, and the thing is, is that adventure serials they don't always have to be Shakespearean. I, I'm not saying that they have to have the the script to Rocketeer, or you know some of the trappings of like character work in the shadow. But the thing is, is you gotta put some effort into it. And there were plenty of times I just didn't think that the Phantom did that with the script. It's just like ah, no, no. Set piece! Next set piece! Let's go! I'm gonna I'm gonna go hardcore against you on this one, Ian, because I think in its being so quote-unquote bad, it is perfected in what it wanted to do, which is literally rip the pulp out of the pulp fiction and put that on the script. It is exactly... Yeah? It is exactly a pulp fiction. It is exactly a pulp comic put onto the screen. Yeah? Because, yeah, a lot of those pulp fictions had really stupid shit. Part of the, um... This definition for pulp series was their low quality in literature. Mm, okay, all right. I know how you were talking. I see about, where you're getting from. You were talking about how like them adapting the costume full sale wasn't the best move, but they adapted everything from what it feels like. Like this was again a comic book plot. This was yeah. comic book mm-hmm. dialogue. This was exactly how people would act in a comic of that era. So in that way, yeah, it's doing they, exactly they do, what it's supposed to do. They would do stupid, crazy things, but that's because they wanted people to keep reading. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of part of the charm to it. Though I completely understand, like, it's from actual, you know, critique of it, it's, it makes no sense and doesn't fit into character, but it fits into this Pulp Fiction, yeah. like, essence of the setting in the world. I suppose, and I guess the the big thing of whether or not people have an issue with the Phantom comes from if part of getting the pulp experience is also the level of writing quality. Because what I found with the Rocketeer in the Shadow is that while, yes, they are very pulpy and they are very of that time, uh, and they deliver on that, obviously, as I've said, I actually felt the Rocketeer did that the best. Right. What I like about two-thirds of this trilogy is that uh it actually feels like it takes the essence and the tent poles of that subgenre but evolves it updates it so that some of the quote-unquote drawbacks of what came of that kind of you know writing wasn't there it was improved it was actually succinctly told as a story 
Um, and I suppose if you're the kind of person that likes the more schlocky kind of pulp writing stuff, then hey, The Phantom's for you. And if you just want to watch something goofy but adventurous, fine, go right ahead. Mm -hmm. But also, if you also like your adventure films to still have some wit and some, you know, quality to it, where, like, there's little sub-arcs and subplots that get, like, decent payoff, I... I'm sorry, that, that, that's where the Phantom kind of falters for me. That's mainly where I'm coming from. I see, so you're you're getting for these old older, more retro-style stuff, but you, you're looking for them to be slightly more modernized. Slightly. I, I know, not, uh, like, take the crux slightly. of the character out, but, like, you not so much tell a story that would have been told then, but more... A, a fully complete uh, narrative. I, I, I don't know about that. I would still be alright with a story that would easily take place back then, but... Because this is that. Well, yes, yes, I, I get that, and I am fully aware that that is essentially what The Phantom is, but what I'm getting at is I would still like to see a story that easily could have been made back then, but with a little more attention to detail... And uh, this might sound a little harsh, but effort that you get nowadays. I see. Which, hey, if that's not a concern for you, this will be a fun time guaranteed. I still like Billy Zane. Billy Zane is good. Oh, yeah. Honestly. And the action sequences are pretty entertaining. I'm like, damn, okay. I, I actually liked the sequence where... Um, uh, the, the plane that they were making off in uh, was shot, and a lot of the fuel was leaking out. So the Phantom's horse caught up somehow. Because the wolf told him to. I, I suppose so. <laughs> um, and him and Diana have to jump onto the horse from the plane before it runs out of fuel and crashes. I thought that was actually pretty well filmed, and I'm like, damn! All right. <laughs> oh yeah, no, the action set <laughs> pieces the, are amazing. And plus the the uh the the green screen or rear projection if they used that looked convincing for the most part. Uh it didn't look janky. That's one thing I think we also have to bring up. This movie does not stop. There there's no like no. point to breathe. It goes immediately like uh his 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 entire family's fighting against pirates. He's been captured. His parents have been killed. Da -da -da -da. And then it just keeps going. Like, the backstory is immediate, and then they jump right in. You know, something I kind of found interesting, going on a little bit of a tangent, I was looking into The Phantom a little bit, because it's just an, it's such an interesting little comic. Yeah. And it's it's crazy how widespread across the world this comic book was, just in terms of, like, popularity. Oh, like, yeah. it was huge in Turkey, it was huge in Papua New Guinea. There was a, there was a couple tribes who used his image. Oh, I, I think I read about that, Yeah. They had like a. I mean, it was big in Australia, New Zealand, India. It was it was big in a lot of weird like places around the or world. Something. Not just America, and it's just I don't know. It was very fascinating to look at too. I guess it is somewhat of a shame that you know it was so popular back then, and like nowadays he's essentially one of the lesser known uh, heroes in the same vein as like the Shadow. And the Rocketeer. Maybe the Shadow more, because there is that generation of people that grew up with the radio shows. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, all three of these characters, they do not get much exposure nowadays, except for reprints of their old comics. There was a planned uh, reboot for The Phantom, but 
if you looked at the concept art, you could tell it was going to be dead on arrival. They did have a... I don't know when it came out. There was a television show about the Phantom. Oh, okay. That was more, way more modern, though. They they modernized this costume a lot, too. The the purple ah. becomes more of like a tactical outfit as opposed to just like a, a onesie. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I would have imagined a movie to do. Mm-hmm. But I guess, you know, points for uh, sticking close to the material, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Anywho, uh, to wrap up our thoughts, I assume... It's uh, recommendations from all three of you guys. Oh, yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. It was close between this and The Shadow, but I think this one was my favorite of the three. Really? It's a a tie for me. I can't really pick it. It's very close. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, I got you. Okay. Well, I I think I'd recommend it, but I'd recommend it with an asterisk. Mm Mm-hmm. If I had to put it some way, um, I say with an asterisk because especially if you go from the shadow and the rocketeer into this, like, whereas those two films benefit from still being made in a way where they could have been made back then. But with some of the more, you know, much like what I was getting at, the writing trappings uh, of nowadays Mm -hmm. going into this one, I think it's a bit of a shift frankly in that it's potentially the most pulpy because of how close it is to that sort of um bygone era and stuff like that in terms of like the writing and like what actually happens the the content of the movie yeah i was getting a lot of like adam west batman vibes from this film yeah yeah and that is i think that's great no that's the aesthetic it should be hitting (laughs) Mm-hmm. Absolutely, exactly what it went for, and it's worked its ass off to make sure it was like I, that. And I think, I think it, they knocked I think it out it of the did park. Better than I think it did better than Batman and Robin. Well, <laughs> that, yeah, that's a discussion that's, for another day. I feel. Yeah, that's a that's a travesty to discuss another day. Hmm. Yeah. So I mean, again, recommendation definitely, but with an asterisk. Mm-hmm. Know that uh, it's it's the most goofy of the three definitely well now that we've and, given uh, our thoughts yeah. on each individual film let's put them against each other ian i believe you've set some questions for some competitions yes this is where the insightful stuff comes into play so each film is very different in how it presents itself as a pulp kind of property yes uh the shadow is more like neo-noir you know the Phantom is more globe-trotting action serial, and the Rocketeer is the high-flying aviation-heavy uh, adventure serial, uh, with a little bit of of mafia-related shenanigans and FBI and whatnot in like a small town, um, which I kind of like. I might be a crook, but I'm an American crook. I don't work with no Nazis. Ah, oh, that was my favorite line from the Rocketeer. Yeah. That was yeah, my favorite line, like Eddie, this whole time being the leader of this this mafia known for doing all kinds of, like, shady shit. I may not make an honest buck, but I'm an American and I don't work for no two-bit Nazi. Ooh! I love that, that line! That was great. It's so good! Mm-hmm. Uh, but anywho, anywho, uh, we're gonna pit these t- uh, three films together and see which one was better on certain 
departments. And what we were going to start with uh, is which film had the best protagonist, the main character, the hero himself, or anti-hero in the case of The Shadow. I think we might be pretty split on this, but Ian, you go ahead. Yeah, I I think, yeah. I think something to, to, to make clear is, like, how are they as not only being this heroic figure, but also just as a person, as a character yeah. in a story? How are they handled, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam, why don't we start with you? For me, I believe the best protagonist to be Lance and Karsten from The Shadow, and just The Shadow in general. I think he just had the most interesting arc and the most well-developed all-around character because you i mean he he, he's don't get me wrong i like the phantom from the phantom but in him being true to form and being just a simple honest to god modern day paladin hero fighting for truth and justice he's kind of he he, you lose some depth with that yeah which is why he's not Mm -hmm. my favorite protagonist but i do love him yeah. I think the shadow just has the best, just like I said, just overall just arc and just character. He has he he struggles not only with defeating his enemies, but defeating himself in the process and really getting control of what he believes in and whatnot. And I think that makes him the best protagonist. Mm-hmm. James, how about you? Okay. Uh, I actually have to agree. Um Lamont Cranston we're all messing up his name. Lamont Cranston <laughs> was mm-hmm. As a standalone character, removed from the narrative and, you know, all that other stuff, just him as a person was not only the most fascinating of, like, you know, the morally gray, so you never really know what he's up to, but just striking appearance, too. Like, jumping from the shadows, wielding pistols, just unloading on dudes all over the place. That, that, mm-hmm. that like terrifying laugh out of nowhere that causes people to go insane shooting all over the place it's he he's got the the personality he's got the the stage presence as it were he's got the look oh i love it oh he has the best costume indeed i I might have to disagree i think the rocketeer has a badass outfit though the rocketeer has a solid outfit i just do love the shadow a lot uh I'll 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 elaborate on mine, but I'm I'm a little torn, but uh, between the uh, combatants in this bout. All right. But uh, Scott, favorite protagonist, who is it? Uh, I am going to be sticking with my favorite, which is Kit Walker. Ooh. From the Phantom. Okay. I'm glad he got someone. Yeah. Please explain. Uh, now 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 why Kit? Why Kit? I think. In my opinion, he plays his character the best. Mm-hmm. Okay. Out of all three, um, Billy Zane. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed his quips throughout the movie. Like, I'm a fellow collector. You're myself is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. When talking to uh, Drax, and I don't know, I just, I just really like the Phantom. <laughs> He, <laughs> he hits that pulp like again. He really does hit that like feeling of a pulp hero very well. There is yeah. a purity to his character that is very attractive. Indeed. Yeah, I just like that he was the the best like true to form like hero character. 
it's something rare we, nowadays in movies. Oh, yeah. getting someone just so straightforward, just goody two shoes. Yeah. Now, Ian, you're yeah, conflicted. Different time. You said. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, a little tied between uh, Lamont Cranston and, believe it or not, Cliff Secord. I am torn between the two. Uh, and the reason I say that is because Lamont Cranston easily uh, has the most uh, to dissect from him as a character oh, because yeah. of his history, his past life of being this horrifically evil person and uh, taking that inner evil and instead using it to fight uh, other evil, you know, fighting fire with fire. And stuff like that. I, I like that. And uh, how he's able to suppress that and combat it, you know, it's interesting. He's easily the uh, the most interesting in terms of his own character study, if you will. And plus, I mean, when he's actually the shadow himself, he is exuding such a presence. But the problem with me is that at the same time, I don't think he used his abilities to the best potential uh like i mentioned i thought he got his ass kicked too much and you could say that that's also because he was fighting these like <laughs> warriors fighting underneath shiwan khan and so they probably had some kind of like skill in training and stuff like that but they really weren't that much smarter than the generic goons he was fighting at the beginning of the movie or what's implied to be what he usually fights so I, I don't know how much of that really stands. Then there's Cliff Secord, where I like him because unlike the other two, he's not special. There's nothing special about him. And because of that, he feels like the most grounded character and the most flawed. And I feel like that's also what has me torn. I, see. Uh, I don't think the other two characters had flaws or at least huge ones. Lamont, in the fact that he has to fight off his inner demons, yeah, perhaps. Um, and I, I guess maybe not being the, the best fighter, I don't know. But Cliff, I mean, he is a bit of a boob. He has priority issues in terms of balancing his own stuff and, you know, being with Jenny. Um, knowing the right thing to do and... I find that to be way more relatable and way more grounded and way more just, ah, I like it. <laughs> I get that. It's ironic that the pilot is the most grounded. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, magic uh, anti-hero. Uh, spiritually endowed uh, protector of the Amazon jungle that is from a lineage of previous bearers of the mantle called the Phantom. Pilot. <laughs> Pilot with a jetpack and a hood ornament for a helmet. It's a really stylish hood ornament, though. Yeah. Oh, it too. is. I love it. I really, really do. But a hero is not complete without a villain to fight. Who stacks up is the yes. greatest antagonist? Scott, stake your claim. I say uh, Shiwan Khan is my favorite antagonist. Interesting. For the five minutes he's on screen. No, it's Shiwan Khan. Yeah. Oh, oh, my bad. I was thinking Lane. 
Yeah. The Lang Brotherhood. Nah, not Lang. But, I mean, hey, you know, if he had more time and more involvement, I would probably say that. But, no, she won Khan. Yeah, that's that's not a bad choice. Yeah. He, I feel like he had... I feel like he was the biggest threat. Because he, since he was literally going to blow up New York City because he wants to conquer the world, that just felt like... Since, as I think Ian said earlier, stakes mm-hmm. were high... And just the fact that he can literally just tell people to kill himself is also just horrifying. Isn't it, though? The fact that he's creative about it, too. I'm going to throw this man off the Empire State Building. No, I'm going to make himself throw himself off the building. He really didn't do anything, like, bad to him. What I still find the most scary about that is, unlike the other people that he's controlled... When he was standing at the very edge, it seemed like he was still aware of what was going oh, on. Yeah. So he's like, wait, 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 why am I standing at the edge of the Empire State Building? Guys, help me! He ah! wanted him to be aware that he was about to kill himself. It was, it's terrifying. His friends were, like, calling out to him, too. Like, what are you doing? Get down there. I, I can't. I can't. I don't know why I can't. Yeah, that, that was spooky. Mm-hmm. I would have said... Timothy Dalton. Uh, Neville Sinclair mm. would be a good close second, yeah, but I don't yeah, know. He, I have to give it to... He's pretty good. Shiwan Khan. Yeah, I mean, I'm in full agreement. I think Shiwan Khan was definitely the best antagonist because he matched so well with the protagonist. Mm. And I think that's the, the, I think that's why he's just the best because he, he was a mirror and a damn good one at that. And I think yeah. it made the film just all the more interesting. James, what about you? Uh, I, I have an interesting choice, and this might speak to like what I look for in these kinds of films. I uh-huh. fucking love Mr. Drex. Like, holy shit, just... Yeah? Eating up the scenery. It's, it, it's clear this is a guy that has a grand plan, but no idea where that's actually going to lead him. And the entire time, he's... He's in over his head and trying to pretend like he isn't. And that is yeah. so, like, entertaining to watch. Like, the time he uh, gets I... to someone who's actually competent, like the pirate guy, he, he folds like a, you know, like a bad hand. A wet napkin. But he still gets, like, the ultimate power. And when he's yeah. as lame as it is that the skulls just shoot, like, a thin <clears throat> laser, the fact that he's handling it like a child playing with a toy and, like, you can see things just being sliced in the background that he clearly doesn't notice or care about. It, it's so, it's so entertaining to me that I just can't look away. I loved yeah, every was... time he was on screen. I liked him a lot, but I just think she, in my opinion, Shi Wan Khan had the biggest threat. That's why he oh, absolutely. the best antagonist for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, the, 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 there's a dichotomy to Drax. Because I love the fact that he's balls to the wall and will get his own hands dirty. Because, like, he even says to the other films, where's your spirit adventure as he flies the plane to go to Vortex Island, the, the <laughs> Devil's Vortex. But at the same time, there's this aura of, like, he can't really harm a fly. Well, until he's he... so well, ridiculous. My, my man throws a spear at, at someone. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, just character-wise, like, personality-wise, almost. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but didn't he throw the spear yeah. when that guy's back was to him, though? Yeah, but the yeah. fact that that's his reaction to being, like, turned down is great. Kill. That tells a lot. Yeah. 
But anyway, I've talked a lot. Ian. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, to finish up the Drax situation, I, I'm i going to sound like the Debbie Downer. I, I still think he's the worst antagonist. You're allowed to have that opinion. For now. Yeah, I... Mm. I mean, yes, he was chewing the scenery, and there were plenty of times where he did bring a smile to my face because of just... <laughs> How can you be mad at a face like that? Right, he wants to destroy mm -hmm. the demeanor world, like he's that. so cute. <laughs> exactly. Um, This is a reoccurring theme now with the second question that we're discussing. I... I'm torn between Neville Sinclair and, and Shiwan Khan. Shiwan Khan was the biggest threat and the most scary between the three, but I almost respect how manipulative Neville Sinclair was and how he was able to play people so easily. Like, he pissed people off. He is the kind of villain that I love. He is the villain that I come to hate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love hating him all the way. You know? Oh, he sells that evil actor... Oh, yes. Very much so. And I thought that it was interesting that they got someone like Timothy Dalton, because, you know, he was well-known for his time as James Bond. And, you know, James Bond, with his shenanigans that he does on the side, pr primarily with many, many women, uh, he's still seen as, like, the hero of the story and stuff like that. And so having him sort of contrast that in here, I like that dynamic, you know? Oh, yeah. Very similar to how you guys kind of like some of these antagonists on their performance side. Uh, I also thought Timothy, uh, Timothy Dalton had the best performance of the three as the big bad. Now, granted, he's not the biggest threat, per se, because he's more about working from the sidelines and manipulating. He is, I'd argue, a more realistic threat. Yes. He's going yes. to supply the, the enemy... Like, the enemy. Like, the actual enemy that we have fought in real life. If his plan succeeds, the Nazis can fly. Yeah, and eventually invade the U.S. Yeah. Which I thought, to, to kind of go back to the Rocketeer, I thought that little uh, animated, uh, I guess, proof of concept was kind of cute. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's very... Like, it's unnerving propaganda. You know, like, when you're really watching is. something else... Talk about the country you're from. Oh, I mean, yeah. the little part where the there's a is at the end when it says um, "Heute Deutschland, morgen die Welt," which means "Today Germany, tomorrow the world." And like, you know what? That's actually pretty effective. I like that. Ah, well, there we go. <laughs> if I had to say who I'm leaning more towards, it might be Neville. Okay. It might be Neville. I did like how suave and manipulative he was. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. we didn't give him I, a lot I of credit. I think for He's this great. one... Oh, yeah. So I think for this answer, now that I've discussed it and put it into words, I think it is Neville. Neville's my favorite antagonist of the three. But hey, I mean, the films are more than just their villains and their heroes. There's also the people in between. Oh, yeah, the supporting characters. Sometimes the most interesting of characters. Uh... Which film did we think had the best supporting characters? Um, for me personally, I'll probably have to say The Rocketeer. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement. The Rocketeer. I <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, unapologetically, 
to throw some spoilers out here, I, I also have to agree. They 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 gave the most for the side characters to do, I feel. Yes. And we yeah. we glossed over PV in our uh, analysis, but he is a great character. He really is. I, yeah. I honestly felt the friendship between him and Cliff, and I think that was probably the best part of the movie for me. Oh, yeah. PV's like the lovable grandpa that you sometimes have it's just mm, he's he's too good he's too good you know i, I mean he has lines like uh, where cliff is kind of taunting him saying pv you haven't been on a date since like 1922 or something like that and uh, pv goes oh yeah that was so and so there was no point in dating after me i love I, I love the line, oh, his lines everything he says is just or like when Howard Hughes gives him the blueprints while uh, Cliff is making out with his girlfriend, and he's just excitedly like reading all the schematics while trying to talk to Cliff, <laughs> and then he looks up, he's like, "Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, hey, so and so, come over here and take a look at this." Yeah, uh, Scott, which movie did you think had the best supporting characters? I'm gonna go on sort of a little side part and say The Shadow. Okay. Okay. I can see that. I liked his network of spies. I liked all of them. I thought it, they they were cleverly placed enough to be really good side characters. And I liked the fact that they didn't just drop the doctor or that the scientist guy after he saved him. He becomes mm-hmm. integral to the plot. And uh, the fact that... Uh, Lamont keeps uh, inviting his uncle out for dinner, but is always an hour late. I like the fact that he just keeps bringing it up every time he's on screen. I thought that was oh really yeah, funny. it's a bad habit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The classic. I think the shadow thing. had the best uh, supporting characters, in my opinion. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, again, I'll I'll kind of go back to what I was saying about Margot. I thought she was one of the better supporting characters in that. And her dynamic with uh, Lamont Cranston uh, easily led to some of the better uh, character interactions. I actually kind of giggled when uh, she was explaining what she was dreaming about. And then Lamont explains, oh, well, my dream was uh, tearing through my own skin and finding out that I was someone else underneath. And (laughs) all she has to say is, you have issues. (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) That was a scene. And then and there's a half Tim Curry. Tim Curry. I love Tim Curry and anything he does. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure Not the greatest character he played, but you know what? With what he was uh, able to do, uh, I'd be lying if I said he wasn't delightfully. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't a delightful uh, boob. He and just a bumbling. Uh, you know. He delivered minion. the classic Curry camp. You know, it might not have mm-hmm. been as diluted or. Uh, distilled as it usually is, but he he made them like. If you want to make a character that needs to be driven insane by the Phantom, you you that's the perfect casting choice. I'm at the shadow. <laughs> One of my favorite lines from him was actually when uh, Shiwan Khan was kind of confronting him and saying, "So, you said you wanted to be king of this kingdom," and he's like, "Oh, king." Well, what's what's a king to a god? I I, I wasn't quite thinking that. <laughs> More like prince tops. And then of course he gets choked and it's threatened, and it's just <laughs> it's great. He tries to save his own skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was scummy, and I liked that. When he goes insane, when uh, Lamont is like uh, 
taunting him in one of his final scenes. Oh. And he's just spinning around, shooting a... everywhere, laughing like a and maniac. Foaming at the mouth. <laughs> yeah, you could kind of yeah. see the, the Pennywise coming out in that scene. Oh, yes. A little yes. bit. Yes. I and will I say that, that there was also that one scene where Lamont, I felt, was using his powers a little more cleverly in that he, sort of and then situation. he put uh the exit sign on a window and then he flies through it <laughs> i forgot if that's right that was my favorite that was part. so good see i thought he was gonna go toppling out of the building but he just falls to the lower floor yeah it was a fitting end to a maniacal stark raving maniac mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah, just to kind of finalize my thoughts, I, uh, I thought that, uh, the Rocketeer definitely had the, the better supporting characters because, um, the Shadow had an interesting, uh, concept of characters like, oh, uh, Lamont's uncle is the chief of police. Uh, oh, the, the, the guy that he saved at the beginning of the movie is like a science man yeah uh the problem is is that some of the uh supporting characters like um the 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 cab driver i don't think they were realized enough as characters to really make them super memorable i i still think the dynamic of him being this loyal cab driver it's cute and charming but ah the the, the thing about the rocketeer is that the supporting characters are actual characters they get more to do i had to get like the the Shadow's agents are really good for world building and establishing the setting, but in mm-hmm. terms of actually doing stuff on their own, they they don't get as much to do in this particular story. Yeah, that and I mean, there's moments like in the Rocketeer where I liked how all of Cliff's and uh, PV's friends at the Bulldog Cafe, when the FBI come in and ask, "Hey, where's Cliff Secord?" They're like, "Oh, Secord, yeah, pilot guy." Uh, I think he moved out of town. And then another one kind of chimes in and goes, didn't he move to Cincinnati? And then how they also, like, work all together to, like, disarm the one FBI yeah. agent with the gun. I'm just like, God, the camaraderie here. And just, you know, coming together as, like, a small community, too. That's what I also like because of, like, the small town vibe that was going on in the Rocketeer. I liked it. Indeed. Quite yeah. so. Yeah. Now, uh, to ask the final big question when it comes to the movie Slobberknocker amongst these three films. Um, each film has a particular department that it does better than the other films. For example, I think we're all in agreement that The Shadow had the best visual department when it comes to production design, Absolutely. Uh, wardrobe, cinematography, visual effects... All that jazz. Easily the best of the three. Oh, yeah. Uh, The Rocketeer had the best writing. And if I had to also add something else in, I thought it had the best character work. And just charm. The heart. And that's what always had me coming back to The Rocketeer um, in the past. It is just the tone and feel of it all. Uh, And then The Phantom had the best sense of adventure and action easily as i've talked about before i liked the jumping from the plane onto the horse sequence i thought that was really a lot of great set pieces i thought it was filmed pretty well Mm -hmm. oh yeah 
And then they have like a swashbuckling sword fight against uh, Lang at the end. Here's the thing, fellas. Uh, let's say only one of these films were to come out, but they inherit all of the strengths that I just mentioned. The Shadow's visuals, the Rocketeer's script and charm, and the Phantom's action. Which one would you want to inherit all three of those strengths? So what you mean is, like, if we were to make an amalgamation where, like, they gave just as much of each strength to one movie. Which one would that be? Mm-hmm. Yes. Basically giving one movie an unlimited budget is what you're saying. <laughs> Essentially, if they were able hmm. to be a triple threat and cover all three of those. Uh, I, I know I said the Phantom was my favorite of the three, but if we're going to really buff up one, I think the Shadow has the best foundation. Would you like to explain that? Okay, so... Uh, it, it's partially already there, right? It's got a really good uh, setting. It's got a compelling main character. The 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 dynamics mm-hmm. between him and his antagonist are already very well fleshed out. But if they gave a little more uh, of maybe what Ian wants in the the setup and payoff, or a, and a bit more of the action, which I remember was something Ian specifically was also not a fan of in the shadow yeah. i think it could have really propelled it forward and i'd like it, it's already a really great film but if we're saying like theoretically taking the best elements of all of them i i would throw them into the shadow how about you scott i'm i am going to be to stick with uh, the phantom honestly because okay. I think if they gave it a, like, had higher stakes, it would be one of my favorite films of all time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they had just a little bit of a better script, I think it would be just a movie I would recommend to everyone, even though I'm going to recommend it anyway. Right. It, it would just be... <laughs> the just better off if they had improved like the visuals and had a better script for like the side characters as well okay sam how about you i'm gonna save mine for last i'm gonna say the rocketeer okay because i i feel like it needs it the most and hear me out hear me here's why because it has a really uh, it has the heart it has the, the quote-unquote, you know, the, the writing. It just, mm-hmm. I feel like it, it needed a little bit of the action from the shadow. And hmm, something from the Phantom. The heroics of the Phantom? Yes, the perfect. The heroics from the Phantom. To really elevate okay. the rocket, the, the rocketeer to the station of dope-ass hero. That's... It, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. It's just, I think if the Rocketeer had a little bit more of what those other films had, it would be perfect in my eyes, because it has a good okay. base for it. It really does. It already has like the some of the harder elements down packed, like the character interactions and the other characters. It's just I would love more. I would love like from the Shadow. I would love the the interesting villain versus hero dynamic. Like have both 
uh, the uh, you know, the main character Cliff and his enemy be previous aviators that both got uh, the Rocketeer packs, but they have them for different reasons. One wants him to lead a Nazi that army. Or at the very least, uh, have it where uh, Cliff kind of engages with him a little more because he doesn't meet Neville Sinclair at least directly until the very end. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's not much. They're more of a, romantic like, rivals at, at first. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, they're in a love triangle essentially. Yeah, and it's just more of a make Cliff a little bit more of a heroic figure. I mean, they did do that a little bit at the end where we saw the Nazi propaganda is like, hey, I gotta stop this. If they just emphasize that a little bit more, it'd be perfect. Because I, I just think this this film has a little bit of potential that it could tap into and really elevate it. All We're right. actually at deadlock, Ian. Yeah, and I'm pretty impressed, honestly, how it came to this. Um so I'm not going to lie, up until this point, I had the hardest time deciding which one, because after uh, really looking at what the shadow does, it is pretty impressive mm-hmm. uh, for what it was doing. Um, it's just that while I saw that there was a lot of promise for the shadow, um, I thought there was just a little bit of wasted potential, that they could have been a little more creative in certain areas. Um, and as such... At the time, it was the movie that I thought needed the most improvement. Uh, and at that point, you know, I was like, yeah, I would want to see this movie improved. I would want to see this movie better. But then I really thought about The Rocketeer, and I'm going to sound like a huge suck-up because I have been singing my praises for this movie, uh, not just most of the time in this episode, but in previous conversations. No, I after mentioned I in a previous episode, one of the th- reasons you made us do this podcast is to watch this movie specifically. <laughs> Which, granted, you're not entirely wrong, <laughs> but it does, of course, go a little further than that. I think the biggest problem that I can admit with the Rocketeer is that it's the least accessible of the three. It's the least approachable. Um... I think some people, if they watch it, they may disregard it as, like, uh, for lack of a better term, a grandpa movie. You know what I mean? Where it's just, like, it's a movie that your grandpa really likes because, you know, aviation, old-timey stuff like that. Uh, Also because it feels like a movie that probably would have come out when your grandpa went to the movies. (laughs) Um, But you know what? I I feel like um, if it had the trappings of the others it would be more approachable and more accessible to a wider audience. And because The Rocketeer is something that I love unconditionally, um, I would prefer that to be the one that gets it. Um, Now, if I may posit something, I don't know if we made it clear or not. I, I think I laid it out. Can we just go down the line really quick and uh, give a ranking of each film? Like oh, what's your like an out of five or? Like I, I meant like you know like one two three. Where where did they stack up? Oh okay. Of the three, Just, which ones did we think were the best and the worst? Yeah, okay, like and you. again, we've already established neither of us hates either, any of these films. Oh but no, I'm no. personally For as much as I was hard on the the Phantom, I still had a fun time with. I, it. I think I've already I laid mine out earlier in the episode, angry. but I'm personally curious where you guys lay each one. Well, mine should be pretty unsurprising. I'm just saying that right now. So don't don't. Well, then why don't you go first, Ian? (laughs) 
All right. Uh, well. Just one, two, three. Yep, one, two, three. Best to worst. Okay. Uh, best, this is no surprise to anyone, not only here, but listening, uh, the Rocketeer. Um, this, oh, it's just too good to me. It has so much good shite in it mm-hmm. that, frankly, I don't know. It's it's just solid overall, uh, as I've said many, many times. I thought as an overall film, with especially its technical aspects, because I felt like that one in particular, in terms of how it was shot, how production went, it felt the most of that time. Um, I like it. Okay. The most. Second, definitely The Shadow. Uh, like I said, I thought there was the most promise uh, in that. And um, I would have liked to see it just a little bit better. But that's the key thing. I wanted to see it do better, you know? Um, and in fact, actually, uh, the thing is, is back then, before he did Spider-Man, uh, Sam Raimi actually wanted to do a Shadow film. Oh, that would have been really and fun. And frankly, uh, if he had the mantle of that, I would totally watch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he still has interest in doing it. He just, I don't know, I, I guess uh, kind of doing his own stuff at the moment maybe he'll eventually do it or somebody with similar style to sam raimi will do it either way sam raimi's the shadow i would totally see that and then the phantom overall just didn't do a whole lot for me you know not to say that it's bad i still like the sense of adventure and it easily had the best action mm-hmm. um but <sighs> just wasn't all that for me uh sam why don't you go next um so definitely the best one in my opinion so my number one is shadow the shadow okay i just think it's just the okay. best all-around movie i'm not gonna go into super great detail i think we already did for the most part mm-hmm. for number two is the phantom i just love its purity it's just it knows what it wants to do and stick with it and my least favorite of three is definitely the rocketeer it's still good but I feel like it's most needing of a sequel to really expand on the Rocketeer portion of the Rocketeer. Yeah, I of all three, I would love to see a sequel of the Rocketeer the most. It just feels like it could keep going somewhere and you have a general idea of how. Because if you also think about it, the Rocketeer is right before World War II. Yeah. And if there was a sequel, we would probably have something where, like, Cliff Secord is needed for a special mission in the mountains of Europe. And the only way to get there is by taking his one-man rocket and flying and infiltrating. And we could get some, like, I don't know, Captain America vibes with it. Maybe. Disney Which, by the way, the Joe Johnston, director of uh, the first Captain America, was also the same guy that did uh, Rocketeer. That's actually how he got the job as uh, Captain America's director. Oh, well, there you oh, go. Shit. Small yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Scott, hit us up. Okay. Well, my favorite is The Phantom, number one, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, Billy Zane's pecs. Of course. <laughs> and uh, my second would be The Shadow, because of that laugh. Oh, yeah. That oh, yeah. menacing laugh. Menacing, sure, we'll call it. And 
my least favorite would be the Rocketeer. All right. Okay. Uh, this is where I get crucified. No, I... <laughs> no, 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 no. I, think... I respect your opinion, and I'm going to say this again. I understand why people may not have heard of the Rocketeer. And much like Jenny said in the movie, whenever I would tell them, hey, have you seen the Rocketeer? They respond with, Rocket who? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I've got the same rankings to you. Although, I, I should stress really stress the shadow and the phantom are like neck and neck they'd basically be tied mm-hmm. if i didn't just completely respect the phantom's commitment to the bit like <laughs> it knows exactly where it's hitting and it hits like three bullseyes in a row you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. but uh so yeah phantom shadow then rocketeer I gotta say, I've thoroughly enjoyed looking at this trilogy, and uh, I look forward to doing uh, other trilogies, or really just any kind of follow-up series back-to-back for these kind of discussions, because I think this is easily one of the most uh, insightful in terms of uh, where we came from with our picks. Oh, I had a lot of fun with these. I love it. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a fun little adventure. Yeah. So, the Pulp Trilogy, honestly, uh, fun time guaranteed because it's a different kind of pulp with each film. You got Noir in the Shadow, the high-flying, aviation-focused adventure in The Rocketeer, and the globe-trotting, action-packed slobberknocker that is The Phantom. Uh, Honestly, each of these films are unique in their own right, and I enjoyed watching them thoroughly. Now, speaking of movies to watch, James, the cycle begins anew, and it begins with you. Yes. Uh, What is your recommended movie for our next episode? I am going to be shaking things up a bit, and I'll be recommending our first animated film of the podcast, which is 2007's Flatland, the film. I'll, uh, there, there's a couple adaptations, so I'll clarify more on the exact one later on. But for now... Right, uh, we will provide some links to, uh, the film proper, because, uh, from previous conversations, it sounds like it gets a little confusing yeah, because the naming convention This particular is... one was distributed yeah. online, but the site is currently down, so, like, re-uploads are the only way to watch it. Yeah. As far as I'm aware. fun. Before we leave, I must thank you, dear listeners, for listening to this, in- this inciting moment podcast. Starring three episodes of Pulp Fiction, The Rocketeer and the Flight of Luxembourg, The Phantom and the Skulls of Tukanda, and The Shadow in The Rise of the Khan. Stay tuned for our next episode. I love it. I love it. Oh, that was That's good. That's a good way to end. Bye-bye, guys. Perfect. <laughs> See you guys Bye-bye, next time. Bye-bye, everybody. On Farewell. the inciting moment my podcast. Uh, I think I said exciting. Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah.